I invite you to bow your heads and pray together with me. Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak this morning and the thoughts that we think as together, we meditate on your word, on your will for our lives, on the victory that you have won. I pray, Lord, that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, the source of all hope and comfort and strength in our lives. Amen. So as I said at the beginning of the service, this week, for the month of September, we begin this series called War of the Worlds. And we're going to be looking at the fact that there is a battle that is going on around us all the time, this cosmic battle that was talked about in that verse from Ephesians. And in fact, as I said, this Ephesians 6.12 verse is going to be our theme for this whole month, and I'd like to read it to you just again. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, a number of years ago, when I first got out of college, I had a few friends, and uh, we would play basketball together at a gym in River Forest on Thursday nights. And then one of the things that we used to do after that is we would go to, we would rotate around to the different apartments we lived in, and whoever's apartment we were at got to pick the movie that we would watch together. You'd go to actually Blockbuster and get VHS cassettes back in the ancient days, right, okay? So, uh, so anyway, um, my one friend, no matter, it, it, he always rented the same kind of movie. There were these gross horror movies. That's all he wanted to see. And so they weren't my favorite kind of movie, but, you know, oh, well, he got to pick the movie, so we would watch the movie. And then one week he rented this movie. <clears throat> Anybody remember this? This movie scared the crud out of me, all right? Now, uh, now, by the end of the you know, we get done watching this movie, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not going home for a while. I, I need a little time before I'm willing to go out into the dark and get in my car. And he's like, wait, I don't get it. Why, why does this movie affect you this way? He said, I rent movies like this all the time, you know, and ghost movies and vampire movies and zombie movies, and they don't seem to bother you at all. I said, here's why. Those things aren't real. This is real. He's like, what? I'm like, demons and stuff. I said, that's real, Jim. And it should scare us, because it is real. That's what Scripture has to say. But here's the amazing thing. 62% of Americans, and by the way, a lot of those are Christians, and in fact, statistics have shown that the numbers aren't too much different in Christian churches, they would agree with the statement, Satan is not a living being, that Satan is simply just a symbol for evil. So in other words, they would say, yeah, well, evil exists, but this idea that there's this the sentient being called Satan and a bunch of demons that work with them. Most Americans would say, that's not real. And in fact, it's kind of reflected in how we think about Satan in our society, right? This is kind of it, right? He's this kind of jolly, funny guy in some red tights with a pitchfork and some stupid little horn sticking up on his head. We go, yeah, you know. In fact, here's, here's further proof that we don't really take Satan seriously. We actually dress our kids up in Satan costumes, you know. But if we really thought about who we're dealing with here, we wouldn't do this. See, see, the fact is, Scripture teaches us very clearly, and remember I said this morning, there's two points I want to make sure that you have, uh, that you know, that you believe as we head into these next few weeks of this series, and the first one of those points is, Satan and demons are real. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. 
You know, in Revelation chapter 12, we heard that reading from this chapter earlier in the service, and, uh, and it talks about this great dragon that was thrown down, literally the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. He's called the deceiver of the whole world. Revelation tells us this story of his defeat. Now, you may be going, well, wait a minute, though, Mark. That's the book of Revelation. There's all kinds of crazy stuff in the book of Revelation. How do we know that we're supposed to take that literally? Well, all right, so let's look at some other books of the Bible. In fact, let's go way back to the other end of the Bible in in the Old Testament, in the book of Job. In the book of Job, it says this. On another day, the angels came to show themselves before the Lord, and Satan was with them again. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan said, I've been wandering around the earth, going back and forth on it. Notice here we get this little glimpse in heaven of a conversation between Satan and God. So if you believe in God, you got to believe in Satan too. And in fact, we learn a few things from this little interchange. We learn that, that Satan is one of God's angels, at least at one point was one of God's angels, that he had access to the throne room in heaven, that he could communicate and speak with God, that, that, that he was a real being. Here's an, another verse. This is uh, in the book of Isaiah. It's a little longer section, so instead of putting it on the screen, I'm going to actually read it to you. But, but, but many people believe that, that what's being described here in the book of Isaiah is what went wrong with Satan. This is starting in verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. Satan has some pretty high and lofty titles there. How you were cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. See, what Scripture teaches is a few things about Satan. From this verse and others, we learn that, again, Satan is real, an angel of God, and not just any angel, but one of the foremost angels of God, the, the, the day star, the son of dawn, he is called here. But Satan wanted to take God's place. Did you hear that? Satan said, I'm, I should be the one sitting on the throne in heaven. I should be the one in charge of everything. I shouldn't have to follow God's orders. I should be the one that gets to order myself around in other angels. I should be God. And as a result, we're told that Satan is not alone, that there were demons that went right along with him, that, that, that followed him, that became his following. And then here's what we're told. That even now, Satan continues to seek to thwart God's plans, to work against God in our lives. 1 Peter 5 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have any of you ever heard a lion roar, actually, in person? Not just on the MGM logo at the beginning of a movie? I was at, at, at Brookfield Zoo once. We were inside the building, and the, there was a lion in there. For some reason, it decided to roar, and instantly, I just felt like I should go hide somewhere. It's a powerful sound. The Bible says that's what Satan is like. He, he is seeking, prowling around, looking for someone that he can devour. Satan is real. He's not this. He's terrifying. We need to take him seriously. But, but here's my question. But why don't we take him seriously? 
Why is it, do you think, that in our society, this is the picture of Satan we like to have? Well, I think that's exactly the way Satan wants it. C.S. Lewis put it this way in the introduction to his great book, The Screwtape Letters, which, by the way, if you want to read more about Satan and how he works, it's a brilliant piece of fiction, but a wonderful way of understanding Satan and his work among us. C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. But in it, he says this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, he's talking about human beings, can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are are equally pleased by both errors. A number of years ago when I was teaching, there was a missionary from Africa that had come to speak to the students in our school. And, uh, and he was describing Satan and demons working very openly in and among the African people that he was ministering to and, and that he was witnessing to. And, and afterwards, I went up to him and I said, look, I, I'm not saying I don't believe you when you tell those stories about the devil, but but, but I said, if that's true and that stuff happens, why don't we see that stuff happening like around here in America? And he said, well, I think it's pretty simple. Over there, people believe in Satan, so he works openly. Here, he says nobody believes in Satan, so he doesn't work openly because he loves the fact that you don't believe in him. He, he loves the fact that, that you just take him for granted, that he can work silently and quietly in the shadows without attracting any attention. I think that's true. Here's another example of this. This is a man named Richard Gallagher. Um, uh, There was an article in the New York Times just a few weeks ago uh, written about this man. And as we were preparing for this series, it really caught my attention. Now, he's he's a psychiatrist and professor at Columbia University. He also works at the New York University Medical Center. Um, he was trained at, at, at Yale. Now, he grew up in the Catholic Church, but, but he grew up really not believing in demons or Satan or anything like that. He believed in God, but, but, but he, he, he didn't believe in all that stuff. And in fact, all the stuff in the Bible about possession and stuff like that, he just assumed that that was all just mental illness, and they didn't know how to understand it. And so his life's work was to cure people of mental health issues until he ran into some things that sometimes that he just couldn't explain. He talked in the article about one particular woman. He called her Julia, not really her name. But, but, but he said in, in dealing with her, he just assumed this was someone with severe mental health issues. But all of a sudden, you know, as he would be in the room with her, books would come flying off the shelves. Or she would speak in a voice that he couldn't explain. She knew things about him, like the circumstances of the death of his mother that no one else knew. And even to the point that, that she knew that the night before, two of his cats had gotten into a big fight. And that never happened. He said he had to face the fact that there was something more going on in this woman than he could explain with the science that he had been taught. And so, by the way, his practice, he still works very hard uh, to debunk cases of possession, to help people realize that in many cases it's simply mental illness. But at the same time, he said, but then there are those times when I know I need a priest because there's something else going on. Folks, the fact is, That battle does rage all around us. That's what scripture teaches us. That that Satan and his demons are real. And God and his angels are real. And the fight continues all around us. And in fact, we get caught up in it in our daily lives all the time. Whether we realize it or pay attention to it or not. Again, look at this theme verse for these weeks. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We may think other people are our problem, but they are not. He says what we really fight against are the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present 
darkness. And the world can be a dark place. So point number one that I want to make sure that you understand that God's word teaches us clearly that Satan and demons are real and they have an effect in our lives. But now if that's true, how does anybody have the courage to get out of bed in the morning? Much less go to bed at night. Point number two is the victory has already been won. You see, the good news of God's word is not only are Satan and demons real, but the fact is God is more powerful. We've already won that victory. I love that story that we heard uh, told in the Gospel of Luke earlier in our service today. Jesus gathers 72 of his disciples together, and he sends them out on a mission to tell people that the kingdom of God is at hand, to announce his word and his truth in the world. And, uh, and, and they come back after a few weeks out there doing that, and, and look at what it says. When the 72 came back, they were very happy. Now, if that was written in modern English, it would say, they were pumped, you know? They were excited. They, they were, they, they, and, and look at what they chose to focus on with Jesus that they had seen happening. They had seen people healed. They had seen people come to faith in Jesus. They had seen all kinds of things, but the one thing that was most amazing to them, they said, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm not surprised because I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He said, Satan's already been defeated. Now, we don't know exactly when that moment happened that Jesus is talking about. Some theologians say back before Adam and Eve were even tempted in the garden that that battle with Satan had already happened. Others, others say, well, no, wait a minute. It actually happened when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's when Satan was finally defeated. And I don't, I don't know where. It doesn't really matter exactly when in time or out of time that that happened. The point is that Jesus was proclaiming to the disciples, yeah, I'm not surprised that all you had to do is use my name and the demons fell because Satan has already been defeated. Peter was talking about when he said, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell, he was talking about that victory that had already been won. Or John, when he writes to the disciples, says to to the disciples that he was leading, to you and me, he says, the word of God abides in you, and look at what he says. You have overcome the evil one. Have. It's already happened. That's already true in our lives. I mean, you sang about that before. At the, at the very beginning of the service, my favorite hymn, A Mighty Fortress, and probably my favorite verse. Let me read it to you again. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill, they shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will, he can harm us none, he's judged, the deed is done, one little word can fell him. What's that little word? Jesus. That's it. Jesus has already accomplished the victory for you and for me. Do you think in that moment when Jesus hung on the cross dying that Satan thought he had won? I do. I I think Satan was sitting there watching what was going on on the cross and he's going, I did it. I killed the son of God. I I got him. And then all of a sudden he went, "Uh uh-oh. Because through his death, Jesus freed you and me from sin and from death. On the cross, he paid the price for our sins. Satan cannot accuse us anymore. Our sins are gone, they're paid for. 
Anything that Satan could have used to say to you and me, do you really think you're a child of God, the way you behave, the kind of things that you've done? Do you really think God could love you? And the answer is absolutely. Because of what Jesus has done. You know, Martin Luther said when he wrote that hymn, One Little Word Can Fell Him, he wasn't talking about the word Jesus. He said, yeah, Jesus is the word, you're right. But, but, but he said, that's not the word I was talking about. You know what his little word was? Liar. He says, when Satan looks at you and when he accuses you, when he tries to convince you that God doesn't love you, when he tries to convince you that because of what you've done you have no place in heaven, you should look at him and your little word for Satan is liar. Because Jesus has won the victory. He has paid the price. He rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death forever for you and for me. I love that scene in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, when, when Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane and Satan's trying to tempt him. He's trying to get him to doubt. He's saying, do you really think that your death can save all of them? Do, do you really think that, that what one man can do can, can actually defeat me? And then there's that scene where suddenly Satan is that snake going all the way back to the Garden of Eden and that prophecy that God said, God said, yeah, you may strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And then in that movie, boom, the foot of Jesus comes down. Crushing that snake, crushing Satan. The victory, folks, is ours. But the battle does still continue. And so that's why this series is so important. That's why we're going to spend these next few weeks talking about what that means in our lives. I don't, uh, I don't know how many of you know the story of the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. I, I referred to World War II at the beginning of the service today. Well, the Battle of the Bulge is interesting because it happened late in the war. In fact, it happened after most um, historians will tell you, really, the war was already over. I mean, the peace treaty hadn't been signed yet, but, but once, once the Allied forces on, on D-Day recaptured parts of France and began marching across France, and the German army was on the run, really, the war was done. It was only a matter of time before uh, Hitler and his forces were done and defeated. And yet, one of the most bloody battles ever happened after that moment. At the Battle of the Bulge, the, the German soldiers turned from their retreat and tried one last offensive, one last desperate try that was doomed from the start, but it still killed more American soldiers than any other battle in the whole war. Folks, that's kind of where we are right now. We are in that, that final battle, that final desperate attempt by Satan to take back some territory. He's not going to win. The, the, the victory's already ours. But we're still in the fight. And so over these next three weeks, next week we're going to talk about the subtle war that goes on in your heart and in my mind as, as Satan tries to tempt us, as, as he tries to get us off what God's plan for our lives is. And, then, and we're going to talk about how we can defeat him in that. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about that more open war that happens physically in the world around us and what we can do about that. And finally, the last week, we are going to remind ourselves that, that it's not just defensive. We're just not sitting back trying to protect ourselves from Satan. In other words, but God's word tells us we're we're supposed to be on the offensive. We're supposed to be attacking Satan anywhere he is in the world around us. But this week, just remember those two points. First of all, Satan is real. Demons are real. There's a battle going on around us. But don't forget, we win. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the victory that is ours through Jesus. 
thank you that, that even though Satan is real and he prowls around seeking someone to devour, he will not devour us because we don't have to listen to his lies and we have you. And because we have you, the victory is ours through Christ Jesus. That one little word, Satan is a liar. Jesus is in control. Lord, give us strength, give us courage. Bless us as we battle each day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about our relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T L C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.